Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive, and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing American Vandal Season 2. Damask Leary, I saw you not long ago. It's been like a very short period of time. A couple of hours. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> since, but no, not quite. There has no. been a little bit of time between this podcast and the last. What's been happening? Anything exciting? How's your weekend? Um, my weekend was very boring because yeah. my girlfriend is in Perth at the moment, but she's coming back on Thursday. Are we in Time Machine at the moment? When uh, is this being released? Yeah, well, let's say Thursday. Yeah. The, Thursday this, this week. Thursday <laughs> this week. That may be before you listen to this. It mm. may be just after. You, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. So, she's fine. coming back and I'm very excited because it's been very boring. Yeah. How have you been? Yeah, good. I was at a wedding, my boss's wedding on Saturday. That was oh, fun. I saw pictures. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. She's so beautiful. She is quite a quite a beautiful lady and the, um, the after party was great. Um, do you ever remember the the dive? Is it called an after party? The reception was great. <laughs> did you did you ever go to the dive bar I used to work at in uh, Once, yes. Fitzroy? Mm-hmm. So that place has now been turned into a good bar. Oh and wow! And that's where the reception was. Actually, a rooftop bar on top, which oh, is pretty lovely. cool. So the thing was, this lo- off topic, off topic already. The <laughs> the location was always great. But yeah, people, amazing location. But they didn't know what to freaking do with it, yeah. and so now it's been turned into something mm. good. Cocktails were. Over the bar, no, it wasn't like a cash bar or something like that. So, Sunday and even Monday was a bit still mm, not great. Recovering. Just, I'd forgotten. It's been a long time since I've had more than one cocktail in a night. Mm. And they just sneak up on you, man. Oh, yeah. They'll punch you right in the face. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. next day, though, I woke up. <laughs> I swear I was drunker when I woke up than when I went to bed. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> anyway, on Good. that topic, let's get into Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh-huh. That's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we will talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. Hunting S-cast. There you go. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) News in fuller. It's only been a few days since we did the last episode, so nothing's happened there. Mm. Nothing's been happening. Nothing's been cancelled for him. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. He's, well, it's a good couple of days for him. You've got to have a show. That's true. I currently, I would, I'm really looking forward to one day we're going to turn around and find out that he's got show running something new. And that's going to be great because then we can find out when he's no longer show yeah, running. Yeah, but so, yeah, that's good. It's going to be great for it'll us. It'll be cancelled in a week. Fabulous. Headlines wise, I've only got one for us again, short period of time. Uh, Luke Cage follows in the Iron Fist's footsteps, cancelled by Netflix. Mm. So, 
literally the day after we recorded uh, last week's episode, which in which we talked about Iron Fist being cancelled, Luke Cage was cancelled too. But great timing. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Netflix. <laughs> so, in the snap of Thanos's fingers, half of the uh, half of the MCU shows on Netflix mm. are gone. I mean, not surprising with obviously Disney bringing out their own streaming service, which we talked about last yeah. week. I, yeah, it really does feel like they're just cleaning the slate now. We know there's mm-hmm. another season of Jessica Jones coming. Mm. There has just released a new the latest season of Daredevil. I haven't seen it. I don't know how it ends. Whether they're still sort of opening up to new storylines, like Jessica Jones, obviously was leading into a new storyline there. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember, but sure, let's say yes. Whether or not. They're going to give him a fourth season. Whether they're going to do one more Defenders or something like that. Whether oh. they're going to, there was some rumors that maybe they were going to do a Heroes for Hire um, series to basically combine Iron Fist and Luke Cage, but that doesn't seem likely either. Mm. I don't really know what's happening there. We may be. There I don't may know be... what's happening, nor do I care. <laughs> Point being, there might not be a lot more Marvel on Netflix pretty soon. So. Mm. That's I'm ready for that Disney streaming service. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm very ready for it. How do you? How would you? I was talking to somebody else about this recently, mm. or maybe it was you actually. What ideally does that look like for you? That streaming service that looks to me like every Sunday morning, <laughs> I'm rewatching every Marvel film. Okay, sure. And then maybe every Saturday morning, Disney classics. Is that how you feel they're going to do it? Are they going I yeah, to... I mean, I'm sure they're going to create like new content and stuff specifically for that streaming service. And I hope it's really good. Mm. But just the idea of having like all like the giant Disney collection in one space that's, sounds that's, good. That's my question. Do you yeah, think that's how they're so. going to do it? I hope so. Because that would be a huge selling point. Huge selling point. Their whole strategy has always been the, the vault, right? Mm. They'll release classic movies like Snow White will come out of the vault to be get a DVD release mm-hmm. and then goes back into the vault again. It comes out again, another vault for Blu-ray, <laughs> whatever. So are they going to do that with the streaming service where they start with maybe a bunch of recognisable movies mm-hmm. and then r- release some more along the way to keep you there every month? Even if like they're... Stuff is on rotation. That's fine. I think rotation is yeah, likely. Yeah, that's totally fine. Because then, then you're more likely to maybe buy them on, like, in physical release yeah, for the true. times when you can't access yeah. on the streaming service. But I, I can kind of see that being frustrating as well. Mm-hmm. I, 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 then they could do fun stuff like, oh, the night before Christmas comes out, right at Halloween or Christmas time, and like, yeah. I don't know. There's. It's potential for it to be really cool and maybe a bit frustrating and like, mm. oh, what I can't get Aladdin <gasps> at the moment. Why can't I watch Aladdin right I now? I wonder if they're going to have all of like all the seasons of like Hannah Montana and stuff and Lizzie McGuire. I mean, that's a possibility. Ooh. Oh, I didn't even think about the like what Disney about, Channel stuff. Like original DuckTales. What about oh, like Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, yeah. shit like that. I want to watch Darkwing well, Duck again. Well, now I'm super pumped. Yeah, but I would watch a lot of that stuff yeah. again. At least dip my toe into it. Mm-hmm. There's heaps of things like that. Even like... Like original, like Mickey Mouse cartoons and stuff like that. Mm, there is classics. It's potential for some really cool stuff in there, and also for it to be like I don't know, kind of frustrating. We'll see. I'm fascinated by mm. that thing, and I already know I'm paying for it. <laughs> Damask, what do you bring to the podcast this week? Like you said, not a lot going on this week, but I was listening or have been listening to Sixteen Shots by WBEZ and the Chicago Chicago mm, the old Chicago 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 Gulls <laughs> Chicago Gulls maybe mm. it details and follows the investigation and trial of a police officer by the name of Jason Van Dyke who shot a black teenager named Laquan McDonald. The incident was 
initially deemed a justified takedown of a crazed and violent offender who was attacking the police. But after dashboard footage was released that showed Laquan was shot in the back 16 times or back and side 16 times, um, Van Dyke emptied his gun as the young man was, you know, not walking towards him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might have seen it in the news recently, actually, as Officer Van Dyke, uh, though not an officer anymore, was the first police officer in 50 years to be convicted of an on-duty murder. Oh, wow. Um, now, it's a very detailed podcast. It's pretty intensive. I'm only about halfway through, so they've just kind of gone through um, – Jury selection and the trials begun in the podcast, um, but I certainly recommend it. It's not an easy listen, uh, um, but it's very worthwhile just to see how, you know, corruption is everywhere because they initially did try to cover up the crime. The, sure. The PD, the Chicago PD, um, and obviously the mayor and mayor's office and all that stuff. Kind of, it's very reminiscent of The Wire, <laughs> really, mm. with all that behind the scene mayor stuff. Um but, yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. For the third time in three weeks, I'm going to plug the new season of Serial because extremely okay. relevant. Okay. And also, for the exact same reason, mm. I actually tweeted at David Simon saying, I hope you're getting some sort of royalties for this <laughs> season of Serial because it is so mm. in line with the yeah. philosophy and the messaging of that series in terms yeah. of what they're saying, particularly about policing in the community. Mm. It's like it's very on that wavelength. So, yeah. that's cool stuff. Uh, awesome. So, that was 16 shots. Is it that right? Is, yes. Okay, cool. And is there anything else you want to talk about? Yes. There was a bit of um, disturbing, interesting, concerning news coming out. Um, Sarah Silverman, who is a comedian that I love, I adore. Her book, The Bedwetter, is fantastic. Um, and I was a big fan of the Sarah Silverman program, which I think about four people watched. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, Dan Harmon was fired from that, wasn't he? He was, yes. They Sarah Silverman didn't appreciate um, having another boss on set, as you can imagine, Dan <laughs> Harmon's uh, strong personality. And 100%. she told him to fuck off. No, they're, they're still good friends. Um, but, okay, so Sarah Silverman was talking to Howard Stern on Sirius XM radio and they were speaking about Louis C.K. And she, because they, you know, were going through the scene together at the same time. They were good friends. And she was saying that um, Louis C.K. may not have initially realised that his creepy abusive behaviour was creepy and abusive because there were times when, you know, they would be like hanging out and stuff and he would actually ask if he could masturbate in front of her. Because okay. um, they kind of had that relationship where they would just like let their freak flags fly, as she said. Um, and so... Yeah, she said she didn't in any way infer that it was a similar situation or that she was in a similar position as the women that were sexually harassed. Very smart on her part. Yeah, but she was clearly uncomfortable. She didn't really want to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, However, one of um, the women that was sexually harassed by Louis C.K. tweeted at Sarah Silverman saying, to be clear, CK had nothing to offer me, because that's what Sarah Silverman had said, um, as I too was his equal on the set the day he decided to sexually harass me. He took away a day I worked years for and still has no remorse. He's a predator who victimised women for decades and lied about it. So they had a back and forth and Sarah Silverman was very apologetic and um, 
she tweeted back. She's like, Rebecca, I'm sorry. This is why I don't like weighing in. I can't seem to do press for my show without being asked about it. But you're right. You were equals and you fucked with you and it's not okay. I'm sorry, friend. You are so talented and so kind. And Rebecca tweeted back, um, thank you. I know exactly how you feel. I can't seem to live my life without getting rape and death threats, harassed and called a cunt regularly for simply telling the truth. I'm sorry your friend created the situation. We deserve to do our art without having to deal with this shit. And I think that brings up a really good point. Yeah. These two very talented women um, who have successful careers outside of Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Um, are continuously brought into a conversation about him, the things he did, um, and either are victims or people are, who are making excuses for him and demonised for that. Um, yeah, it's 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 his shit and he should have to carry that and these two women shouldn't have to. And you wonder why people don't report this stuff. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, pretty apt for something that happened in the late season of BoJack. I was Bojack. Say, that's exactly... Yeah. And I, I, would, I would talk about it, but no spoilers spoil for it. BoJack, but watch that season. Yeah, because it's identical, well, not yeah. identical, but very relevant. It's a very similar conversation. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. How do you feel about how that all went down? Just that sort of situation you read between Sarah Silverman and Rebecca and... I mean, I think two emotionally responsible women are communicating effectively. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that was very, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and read through that, actually. It's yeah. really cool. Um, okay, I've got one news article I've been sort of saving up for a while. This came up a while back. Um, I just sort of wanted to bring this up because it's we're living in interesting times at the moment. The article is, here's a fun dystopian reminder that anything you buy... In, in quote marks, from iTunes can vanish at any time. This comes from William Hughes at uh, AV Club. Mm. And the article goes, Jokes about the iTunes end user license agreement have been around for uh, almost as long as the media management service itself. But that hasn't made the 1,500-word document any less labyrinthine to the average reader who just wants to listen to some goddamn music. At this point... Most of us just accept that the fine print boils down to we own you, so deal with it. And we really click accept. Still, we do get an occasional pointed reminder that Apple's online store is really more of a ramshackle rental van and that anything you buy from them is likely to someday vanish in a puff of overemployed scare quotes. Case in point, the story of Twitter user Andre G. De Silva, who posted a series of correspondence with the service, Cordley questioned what the fuck happened to the trio of films he'd bought from the iTunes store. Apple's response, an elaborate, slightly sheepish shrug and an explanation that it had lost the license to those particular films. Whoops. Apple support did offer De Silva a couple of rental credits in case he needed the concept of transience beaten into his head a little more firmly. (laughs) When he complained and asked for a refund on account of the company not giving him the thing he paid them for, they explained they... Uh, were just a storefront with no control over how long the stuff they sell stays available and then tossed him two more credits. Anyway, the moral of the story here is twofold. First, Andre D. De Silva can totally hook you up with some free Apple rentals and second, maybe hold on to your DVDs. And that's the Mm. point I still wanted to bring up. We're living in a world now where we are moving, theoretically moving, from physical media into digital media. Mm. We are subscribed to many different um, streaming services on on three I can think of off the top of my head, um, not mm-hmm. including my music one, I, especially with games, tend to buy small ones digitally and don't own them with physical media. Some of them aren't even available on physical media. Mm-hmm. But people are being encouraged to do the same thing with movies, buy them digitally, TV shows mm-hmm. the same way. And 
a lot of the attractiveness for that comes from convenience. You don't have to get up to change the disc. You can just use a remote, do it from the couch and so forth. You can take it with you a lot easier and watch it on the go on your laptop or on your phone or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, and that it takes up less physical space. You don't actually have to find a place for it in your home. That being said, <laughs> what if you don't actually own this stuff anyway? It's just going to disappear on you and you're paying for something that disappears. Mm. Yeah, I'd never realized that my digital media was like milk and it just had a use by date. <laughs> I had no idea. So, yeah, right. Um, I mean, I've I've maybe bought, I think I bought Superman Homecoming just because I couldn't stream it anywhere. Superman Homecoming. You know what I mean? Spider-Man, they're all the same. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Spider-Man Homecoming, I apologize. Nerds, relax. Um, <laughs> there are so many comments being sent our way yeah, right now. And I also bought Hocus Pocus because I couldn't find that anywhere at and the that's, time. Sometimes that's the way to do it is you yeah. just can't buy it anywhere. Yeah. Being mean to buy. I've been trying to buy a Blu-ray of Lost in Translation forever. Impossible to find. Mm. So I might have to get that digitally eventually, but yeah, go on. No, that was literally it. Oh, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm the same. I haven't gotten that far where I'm really doing mm. just that yet, but yeah. I've been at the edge of that for mm. a long time. I keep thinking about, yeah. well, should I just stop buying them? And it, mainly because I can stream a lot of it anyway mm. or rent it. Well, I was saying generally I'm renting either, usually through YouTube because it's so much easier. I've got so much on there too. Yeah. What's annoying though is that you can't like, Rent it on YouTube and then Chromecast it on to your TV. I've been trying I to figure to, that out recently. I have to use like well. a HDMI cord like it's five years ago. Because oh, I'm trying to do that through my TV and find that really yeah. hard to do as well. Yeah, it's frustrating. That's so ridiculous. Anyway, side topic that one. <laughs> the but yeah, I've been on the edge for a while, especially with games. Like that's becoming very normal. And I think this. I think I'm just going to not do it. I think I've mm. decided I'm just going to stick to physical media. Apparently, not that I always notice the difference in the in the moment. Physical media tends to be better quality anyway. Mm -hmm. The streaming stuff, even if it's streaming at full 4K or 1080 HD, whatever it is, is still not as high fidelity as the physical stuff. So, you are actually getting a better product. And, of course, you get to keep the damn thing. Mm. So, consider this a PSA. As much as it's (laughs) tempting to just get things digitally, as much as it might save Mm. you space and so forth, um, just know that you don't own it. It could disappear at any time for reasons that are well beyond your control. Mm. That's it. That's all we had to talk about in Off Topic Hot Topic today. So let's get into our spoiler-free review of American Vandals Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. After the success of their dick-drawing documentary, high school true crime documentarians Peter and Sam travel to a prestigious private high school in Bellevue, Washington to document the story of a filthy vandal called... The Turd Burglar. The original creative team of American Vandal Season 1 return, as do the main cast, Tyler Alvarez and Griffin Gluck, with the addition of new cast members Melvin Gregg, Taylor Dearden, Deron Horton and Travis Tope as accused poo prankster Kevin McLean. American Vandal Season 2 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 33 minutes and took us approximately four hours and 20 minutes to watch. There is no official word at this time on whether American Vandal Vandal will return for a third season, though personally I'm putting money on it that it mm-hmm. will. Yeah. So let's just quickly refresh uh, our audience on what we thought of American Vandal season one. Uh, Damask, what did you think of the first season? I loved it. I thought it was a real good time. Good for a giggle. Well constructed. A, pu- a beautiful parody of the genre. Agreed. I also loved it and gave it five out of five, the highest possible ranking uh, on, in our sort of star system. I gave it 4.5. You did. Mm. Um, I thought it was close to a perfect season of television. It 
I had a hard time coming up with faults for it at all, mm-hmm. honestly. So, with that in mind, what did you think of American Vandal Season 2? Well, it's nice to watch a show where you feel safe. The writers seem to think of everything, and so I can sit back and relax. The world they've created from the very first season to this season's production and its Netflix production values is all tied up and used to create a fully realised universe. Some viewers might be turned off by the vulgarity of watching an entire student body defecate, but you've got to ask yourself, how many times have you been fine with watching true crime docos where people get brutally murdered? This season's crime is about poo. It happens, and yes, it is funny. It's something that two-year-olds laugh at, and that's okay. Preferring to watch shows where people get their heads caved in or raped on a hiking trail isn't highbrow, it's just more fucked up. Sit back, relax, and have a giggle about poop. This season is a great continuation of season one, with our two documentarians returning to solve another crime. We have new players involved with the crime, and once again, this show does a great job of unfurling who those people are with each episode. Now, I don't personally think it's quite as funny this time around. That might just be because it's the second time around. Who knows? But there are still plenty of laughs to be had. This is a great show and it's still a fantastic parody of the true crime genre infused with just as much love as the first season. What about you, Brad? Yes, very, very similar. Um, I went into this season worried it might not be able to pull off the same trick twice. That was mm, my concern at the end yeah. of last season. Started watching it and, yeah, definitely, you know, it's got the same production values, got the same sort of rhythm to it. There's a lot going for it that's familiar. But also wondering, well, can you can you go with that and still engage mm. me as much? Can this be as good as the first one? Um, is as good as the first one. I think it might be just a touch below it, and that might mainly just be because it is more of the same in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah. It we've seen this done once. I love the first one, so to go back there again, it just loses a tiny bit of that magic because of it. But that being said, as much as it does the same, it's doing a lot of things different as mm-hmm. well. It's mm-hmm. crime is that the. the Involving is very different. The uh, school they're doing it in is very different to the one from the first season. The characters involved are very different. The entire sort of crime and the way they uncover it is very different. They don't really redo their same tricks twice in that regard. Mm -hmm. So, there's a lot of original ideas and things happening there. And I think that's really good. And so, as it goes along... I thought it was able to find its own groove quite well. Um, Specifically towards the end. I was really Mm. impressed with where the show went... Especially maybe the last two episodes, and the last episode especially, I was really impressed with sort of like the the message they found and the, and the comments they were making on society at large. Um, whereas the first season really felt like it was really about deconstructing the genre of the true crime documentary. This did a bit of that, but then went further and really was more of a social commentary in a way that the first season did some of, but I thought this one was a bit bigger and bolder and more complete at doing that than the first season was. Um, Yeah, found a different message. It also found new crime docs to parody Mm. in a way as well, which I won't mention what they are because I don't want to spoil things. But it found a new level of drama as well. The... I never really felt like there was a sense of urgency or danger at all in the first season. And that was mainly because it was... Uh, the crime or the nature of the crime maybe wasn't as nefarious or as sort of um, dangerous as this one was. I know it's weird to say that getting a lot of people to poop is dangerous, but it, <laughs> there's, there's, there was a real violation there's there. There's malice there. And yeah. malice behind mm. that one. 
And then there was a sort of, not necessarily ticking time bomb, but a, a sense of danger going on this season as it went on. I really liked that. And knowing as well, you had an issue with last season when you thought it sort of... Um, it was untrue at a couple of moments mm. to its true crime nature. This one, I think, I don't know whether I just felt this or the show felt this, except that because it was fiction, it needed to have some drama mm-hmm. and lean into that. And I thought that worked mm. quite well. And while it didn't make it as authentic, as authentic it made it more compelling mm. from moment to moment, sometimes for me anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as I said before, probably even more successful with its conclusion than the previous season. I really liked it. Mm. It's amazing the show is as good as it is. I really hope there's a season yeah. three. Can I just say to the Please. point of like in the first season there were moments where I was like, oh, it, it, yeah, it felt untrue yeah. and therefore um, lessened, I guess, the, the type of true crime it was parodying. I think this, this with this one, the true crime that it's parodying, you can see elements that are just – for the story. Like yeah. it is very overly dramatic. And yes. so they've lent into that kind of true crime doco. And so it it fits better, I think, when they did have heightened moments of drama. So, okay. So the the version of true crime in this mm. one suited that more. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense, actually. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah, cool. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add before we get to our final scores? I don't think so. Um, what did you give this out of five? I gave this one a four, Mm -hmm. so just half a point less. It's still an incredible season. It's a high four, but it just, yeah, I think perhaps because it wasn't as funny, I guess, and I was just so full of joy and kind of disbelief at what I was experiencing with the first one. It's Mm -hmm. just, I think it's it's just a natural um, experience when you're watching number two of something. Mm. Agreed. Uh, I give this a 4.5, so it's a half step down mm-hmm. from my previous score as well. For pretty much the same reason. It just, yeah, trying to recreate the magic, it does a very good job of it. But mm. the first time yeah. is sometimes the yeah. best time just because of how unique it is. It's beautiful. I did want to ask, actually, just before we move on, how did you feel about Kevin as a central character compared to Dylan from last season? Because they are very Mm, different. They are very different. Did you find him as compelling as... No, and I think the story doesn't necessarily either. They're Mm. framed very differently in just how the story plays out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think this one really is very community-focused. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Um, While Kevin obviously is... Um, the one accused of the crime, it really is more of an exploration of the community than how one character is perceived. It's more how they perceive each other as a whole, I think. Absolutely. I think Sandy Moore would be to talk spoilers, so Mm -hmm. let's move into that now. But before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. 
Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of American Vandal. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of American Vandal up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. On this season of American Vandal, things get dark. Specifically, they get brown. A mass exodus of biblical proportions occurs at St. Bernadine. The Holy Trinity is released. Solids, liquids, and most certainly gas. The lemonade wasn't turned into wine, it was turned into a laxative. As the unsuspecting student body gulped down the refreshing beverage, they had no reason to suspect that one of their own had transformed into the monster now known as the Turd Burglar. This crime was only the beginning. The children lived in fear, constantly looking over their shoulders and between their butt cheeks. That was until the culprit was found. Kevin McLean, a.k.a. Fruit Ninja, a.k.a. Shitstain, confessed to all of the crimes. But as our documentarian Sam and Peter take a closer look at the confession tapes, not all is as it seems. It seems as though the confessions were coerced. Why, after all, would Kevin have shit himself if he was the culprit? So who else could it be? Who else had motive? Chloe, an old friend of Kevin's, pushed out a nugget of truth when she reveals that she saw the turd burglar's calling card in Demarcus Tillman's wallet. The charismatic basketball star doesn't seem to have a care in the world. Why sully his future with number twos when it has three pointers written all over it? He doesn't seem to have much motive, except perhaps to follow in his friend and predecessor's footsteps. A few years earlier, Perry Coleman pulled a prank in which he stole the school's mascot to sexually harass a cheerleader online. He received no punishment. Could DeMarcus be bolstered by this and feel invincible? It seems as though history is repeating itself. At the same time that Coleman was pretending to be Sir Fuxalot, another student also used the internet to harass a fellow student and was expelled. Grayson Wentz wasn't a jock, and so wasn't protected. Just like Kevin. Another clue comes to light that also seems to point to Kevin's innocence. Sam and Peter discover a possible fourth crime. By following the turd burglar's Instagram, they believe an attack was made in the teacher's lounge. It would have taken place after Kevin was put on house arrest, therefore exonerating him. But how can they prove that a cover-up took place? It's no coincidence that Hot Janitor went missing just a few short days after the alleged attack. 
They manage to hunt him down, and he confirms the story. Two teachers vomited, one in the pot plant and the other in the sink. After, he also found a small package, a wrapped parcel of chocolate-covered poop. It turned out Mr. Hankey had come early that year. Tensions rise as more and more focus is put on DeMarcus as the potential culprit. So DeMarcus threatens Kevin outside a service station. It's all caught on footage, and it doesn't look great for him. But at that exact moment, the turd burglar contacts Sam and Peter, and in doing so, exonerates both subjects. While talking to DeMarcus, it is discovered that just before the poop rally, he was involved in a motor vehicle collision with Jenna, who had previously claimed to be at her internship. Not a skid mark was left at the scene of the crash, but the photo evidence reveals poop rally t-shirts in her car. The boys confront her and she admits everything, but there is more to this tale. Jenna was being blackmailed and catfished by a mysterious woman. After collecting suggestive photos of her, Jenna had no choice but to follow the crazed poopetrator. But she was not alone. The catfish had cast a wide net and captured a few of the most vulnerable students to act out its devious plans. After finding the girl behind the images, it is uncovered that Grayson Wentz who works at a phone kiosk at the mall, had stolen her images and video to manipulate students and teachers. But before they are able to go to the police, Peter confronts him over text, which gives Wentz enough time to perform his final act of terrorism, the dump. He uploads all of the evidence he had collected of his victims. Their lives are shattered and their crimes are revealed. DeMarcus did the poop piñata. Jenna did the poop cannon. Mr. Gisaldi did the poop advent calendar. And Kevin, oh yes, Kevin, the original suspect, did the brownout. There is only one kid that didn't succumb to the coercion, drew the drama kid. I guess he is the unexpected hero of this tale. God bless you, Drew. And yes, that does confirm that Kevin did indeed shit himself on purpose. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Something I wanted to start with, just a little detail I thought of, actually watching the first season, I wish I'd said it last podcast, I'm going to say it this time as well, because it's relevant as well. This show, something that I appreciate about it and what it reminds me of, is some of Chris Lilly's best work mm. in terms of the not just his individual characters, but the the side characters, their little quirks, their mm-hmm. little like backstories and so forth, and how they all interact with each other and just sort of while they can be exaggerated, they can they're also feel very genuine and they're played played straight. And What's even better is it doesn't have any of these racist bullshit in there either. Mm. So, it's almost like a superior evolution of some of Chris Lilly's like high school, no, mm-hmm. summer high tie and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that as well. Yeah, I can say it's certainly both shows, though this one, certainly superior because it's not racist, <laughs> um, is that it feels, they both feel like high school. I look at the characters and I'm like, I know you, I know you. 
it yeah it feels genuine everyone's just kind of like walking from class to class bored and that's that's where the drama comes from it comes from the boredom did you have any favorite characters this season any people that stood out big or small there was one guy he was like a younger guy is that the one you're talking about and he's like he's very to the point and serious and he has a bit of a lisp and he just kind of said things he's like and no one knew it was poop until someone said, it's poop. Like that guy was just, I think, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how do you find that, not mm. just that person, that character. Yeah. Like, and I think like another thing that, yeah, Summer Heights High and this show have in common is they cast age-appropriate yeah. people, which makes it feel genuine and authentic. Definitely. Um, were there any of the main characters? We've already said. I love Mrs. Montgomery. Mrs. Montgomery is the <laughs> best and the worst at the same time. Like she is. I love the quote of um, hers when she's talking about Kurt Vonnegut. She's like the Kanye West of satirical postmodern literature, which just tickled me pink. And when she's describing herself as Sandra Bullock from the That's blind side. That's my favorite. That is my favorite and it- <laughs> bit. And she doesn't remember the other actors. The black guy, the he, black kid. He was fantastic, though. He was fantastic. That was so funny. I wanted so mm. much more of Mrs. Montgomery. She was hilarious. Yeah, she was mm. That was fantastic. I um I really enjoyed um Demarcus as a character actually, oh, as did my girlfriend. She's always got someone to comment about how attractive they are in the show. Um, <laughs> the he was very very um very interesting sort of character. Really well played mm. by that actor, like larger than life in his popularity, but grounded as well. They found an amazing emotional arc for him mm. as that went on as well. Um, yeah, I thought he was really good. Well, he's just a perfect example of what this show does really well, um, is that we we are shown these stereotypes at the beginning and then slowly as, you know, the more we understand the crimes, the more we understand the characters behind them. And we do have those quiet moments with characters as, you know, evidence comes to the forefront. We see people who are vulnerable, who they are when they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's such a good method of like, yeah, showing us the characters. How do you feel about the mystery and how it unraveled? Were you, did you ever think you had it figured out? Did you? There were plenty of times when I thought I had it figured out. I was like, I'm wrong. I was was always just wrong. (laughs) There was a point where I got onto, they were talking about the inconsistencies in like the social media Mm. things. I was like, I figured out it's Lou. It's got to be like the friend. I was like, it's got to be Lou. And then they accused Lou. It was like, oh my God, I got it right. And then no, I was completely wrong. Mm. He wasn't involved at all. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I love that it kept me on my toes and it did this really great thing where it, it leads you on a path and then it makes you think that you're really smart. Mm -hmm. And then like all good true crime docos do swerves and you're like another mystery like it's very so beautifully structured were you satisfied with the actual answer in terms of it being was it gareth or whatever that guy's name grayson grayson was it sorry thank you let's call him gareth i don't really care (laughs) i was and then yeah when we meet um the girl whose images have been used and her phone and you see like the recreation of the kiosk and like it's all like like black but it's just like the outline of the kiosk i was like oh my god it's that guy from the beginning like that was very satisfying for me what about you what were your thoughts on it yeah i loved i loved that and it was like because what's interesting about this compared to the last one like you we talked about sort of the convenient nature of i can't remember the character's name but like the the activist like 
school mm. president, whoever she was. Christy or something? Yeah, and mm. sort of they suggested heavily that she was the one, mm. but didn't really go there the whole way. It was yeah. just like this little tying it up into a neat little bow for which we don't normally get in true crime. Mm. So in this one, when we get to that revelation, it's this huge conspiracy of like how he's played four different people and got them to do mm. it. And he, he's used this other girl's um, like videos and so forth to make this happen. It seems a little bit crazy. But then as they go into the details of how it yeah. happened of like... The wide net that he's, yeah. Cast and then yeah. he narrowed, you know, on four or five people we find out mm-hmm. in the end and sort of like use them and how he catfished these people essentially and then mm. blackmailed them. It's pretty compelling and not that unrealistic. Yeah, I remember early on when they first were interviewing him just mm-hmm. as like a guy that had been punished for a, a crime and that he felt was unjust, the punishment. Um, and he was talking about how he's like, oh, like guys like me and Kevin. Kevin? Kevin. Kevin. Um, you know, kind of persecuted easily, like shut, shut on. <laughs> um, so it's going to happen a lot um, in life. And guys like Demarcus kind of get whatever they want. It made me go, oh, I don't want like these kind of nerdy white dudes that feel entitled to like harass someone. And like, sh- yeah, it's it, like it's sat really weirdly with me. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that feels strange because Demarcus, he's from like a poor neighborhood. He's like a black kid in a predominantly white school. I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And then obviously when it was revealed that he's Grayson is actually a villain and he is that entitled white guy. He's a guy. fortuner. Yeah, he is. I was like, oh, thank you. Because yeah. that, that element made me very uncomfortable. It might be the best clue mm. that the show lays down. that yeah. he's Exactly that because they are actually, what's interesting about when you they have that interview with him, they aren't talking about a specific crime. They're talking about like, class systems inside the school, which is a pretty compelling idea. And Mm -hmm. that obviously is something that comes up in a lot of true crime Mm. um, documentaries is like how class systems between the poor or the police or whoever it might be. Yeah, the imbalance of punishments and that kind of thing. Exactly plays Mm. out. And so for you to instinctually pick up on how that's just a little bit off. Yeah, it didn't ring true to me. You were a million times closer than I was (laughs) to figuring out that it was him. I just thought it was... um, like ignorant writing. I didn't realize it was a clue, but there you go. There was genius writing yeah. again. It was actually just pointing you in the right direction. Mm. Yeah, They no, knew I, their character. Yeah. They did. They very absolutely good. did. Mm. And very compelling. I loved what ultimately this was all an exploration of mm. in terms of, yeah, we got to know all these different characters, Kevin's, you know, the loneliness from come, that comes from bullying and from... I, deliberately isolating himself and deciding that he's going to I, to to act weird because why bother acting normal? It's going to make fun of me anyway. Mm. And then reaching out to somebody who, you know, is comforting or he feels like he can trust and how yeah. that blows up for him. Same thing happens to DeMarcus, who is just someone who feels the constant pressure of, being popular and that everybody seems to love him, but he doesn't trust that anyone's actually being real with him. And so mm. he... Find- and like so many different perspectives. We didn't find really out what the teacher was. I think he was just horny. And then... He was a pervert. He was just a perv. Yeah. And then to to tie all of those teens mm. who were using social media the way that everybody does these days and to show their... Not, well, that was the idea. What was uh, Grayson's idea? Everyone was full of shit. Mm-hmm. 
but everyone was also just as vulnerable as, ah, man, it's poetry. (laughs) It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's certainly to show the vulnerability of all of those characters Mm. who function within the ecosystem of high school very differently. It's like, it's really poignant and beautiful to show that, yeah, they're all just really lonely and looking for genuine connection through a medium where they refuse to be truly vulnerable mm-hmm. out in the open. Like that's a pretty amazing exploration to have about kids that are growing up with, yeah, that's that's their form of self-expression and yet it is flooded with inauthentic self-expression mm-hmm. because that's just simply like, you know, high school is a hierarchy. It's celebrity culture in a like a tiny scale and it always has been you yeah. always have the popular people and everyone knows what's going on with their lives and that's kind of you know the thing that we all want to be so now to just have that heightened like when you go home and it's just like that's and it's kind of like it's scalable now in a way that it never was before did you uh buy that sort of the last message they have mm. about how they're using social media and the idea that while it might be this inauthentic, sterilized um, version of their life, mm-hmm. that maybe that's just a protective mechanism that's mm-hmm. being used to help them develop, you know, into the best version of themselves to figure out, you know, who they should be and what they're. What, yeah, who they it's are. just another tool that young people and people our age as well, because totally. we're coming up with it, as, you know, just as they are. Um, to figure out personhood, to figure mm. out identity. It is. It simply is a form of self-expression. And so to kind of curate your own life to, yeah, build up an idealised version of yourself, it can be like personally aspirational, you know what I mean? To kind of like aim for the things that you, for the life that you want. I don't think, and I think the idea that it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be a damaging tool. Yeah. Yeah, is a good one. I've been sort of drifting away from social media mm. a bit recently. I'm on Twitter um, and that's more than anything, almost a news thing. It's mm-hmm. like a way of keeping up to date with things as they happen and what the discussion is as it's happening. Um, whereas Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat never made sense to me personally. Um, I've been shifting more and more away from because I found it to be either... Personally, Facebook is, seems to get way too dour and everyone's sort of offloading their drama onto Facebook. <laughs> and then Instagram's the opposite mm. where it's this constant bombardment with these perfect sterilized versions of people's lives, which mm. I think is like creates an uh, an unrealistic expectation for what life should be or what, you know, what somebody else's life would be. Why aren't I as happy as them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But this is the best argument I've heard of personally ever for how it's useful. Mm. Um, for what, how it can be a not such a bad thing, maybe even a good thing. Um, I, I don't know. Had you come across that argument before? Because I personally hadn't, but maybe I just hadn't been looking. That idea of, of social media being used in, as a tool in that way or it's particularly for teens. I don't, yeah, I don't think I've seen that specific argument, but I'm seeing it evolve more openly into that now with... Um, you know, social movements that are that are happening oh, and people true. reaching out, celebrity culture altering so that people can put across positive messages. 
um, that aren't, yeah, that aren't dour, that are, yeah, aspirational in making change and mm. that kind of thing. So I'm seeing, I'm particularly talking about Instagram, um, and this yeah. might just be the people that I follow, the celebrities that I follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, putting out positive messages that aren't, and it sounds ridiculous, but aren't just image-based, but change-based. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I suppose it is, that's the thing as well. It's evolving constantly. It wasn't that long ago I thought Facebook was going to be around forever and currently it's, I think it's hemorrhaging people Mm. for a number of different reasons. I I just find Facebook so boring. I do now too, but I didn't. It wasn't that long ago. Facebook was an everyday, Mm -hmm. you know, every five minutes thing. I'd be scrolling and re-scrolling and re- I, I I guess the thing I forget as well is it's it's still evolving. It feels like social media and just well the internet in general just feels like it's been around forever now. Mm. I mean MSN, MySpace, and stuff. We were all there when that yeah. happened. Oh, heyday! Yeah, and it, you were I, in my I, top eight for a while. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure you were too. Oh, sweet. Um, that was so political. Oh, top eights, wars, wars. It started wars. You'd make deals to put people in your top eight. You put me in your top eight, I'll put you on my top eight. Um, there are so many people who have no idea what yeah, I'm talking like, about. What's the top eight? Mm. Oh, that's depressing. Someone I saw the other day was asked, no, today was, it was like a 17-year-old was like, can someone explain to me how you used to like burn like songs onto like a CD? Like you just like got a blank CD and then like put songs on it. Like I was just like, oh God, oh, I feel like... <laughs> Oh, am I getting arthritis? Like, I'm aging, right? <laughs> I'm an old man. What, is, what do you mean? In that moment, you should have told them that when you were younger, you would put a tape deck <laughs> in, put the radio on, sit there and wait <laughs> for the song you liked. You'd always miss the first, like, five seconds of the song and just press record. Record. And then, like, the freaking DJ would always talk at the end of the oh, song and you'd stop and be like, well, you ruined it now. I even had MP3s mm. back in the day when you'd, like, download things through, like, Lime Shazam wire? or LimeWire, right? <laughs> yeah. Not Shazam, yeah, LimeWire's the one. Napster, even, if I'm going back far enough. Ooh. And that would actually have the starts and the ends of those songs would have, like, the yeah. DJ bits. <laughs> like, that's just the version you had. Yeah. Is that the one that was, that's the one that was out there? Um, way off topic there. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's yeah interesting that it's. I do forget sometimes that it is still evolving and that like mm. it's yeah. Anyway, um, another little. Have you got something else in that frame of mind you want to talk about before I move on? Um, well, just while we were talking about kind of the imbalance of punishments when we're mm-hmm. talking about you know Demarcus and Grayson and stuff, it yeah it in the same vein where I was like it makes me uncomfortable that conversation because that's a really important conversation about how the hierarchy in high school, particularly around young men in athletics mm-hmm. and how that builds up um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was interesting because I, because Grayson is kind of, what's that fucking piece of shit's name? Brock Turner, the guy who raped the girl on college campus, the swimmer. Yeah. And so they were kind of talking about how it affected Grayson or, you know, how, yeah, these men are entitled. But, like, the girl that was sexually harassed by DeMarcus's kind of predecessor, his idol, yeah, had, like, two-minute interview. The girl that was the subject of the chlamyds hashtag that Grayson was doing didn't really hear from her. So, like, there was an aspect of that conversation that I kind of wanted to hear about That's how what- a lot of, like – 
the focus of this, you know, bullying, sexual, online sexual harassment was women and we weren't really having that conversation. That's a fantastic um, point. Yeah, you're right. That is something that was sort of missed in mm. there. Um, do, you, do you feel like the show is lesser for it, for missing that? Or if they, is, it, is it just more of a, like, you brought that up, you probably should have addressed yeah, that a little I, bit more. I think, like, there was already so much in it. I understand why you yeah. wouldn't put it in. But I also think, yeah, you're kind of bringing up online sexual harassment of women, but you're not really discussing the consequence of that for the victims. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I get why narratively you don't, but I think it's a missed opportunity and also kind of messy not to have the discussion. They could have even done that at the end with, um, I, again, don't remember the character's name, one of the four blackmailers, the one who's, she does the internship at the... Um, the lesbian? The Well, I didn't want to, you know, stereotype her. The Yes, the lesbian. <laughs> Because uh, that, you know, obviously she was the only... All bisexual, I'm not sure. I think she's gay. ...female victim... Yes. ...directly associated with uh, Grace and what he was yes. doing. So, that was an opportunity there to do that. Mm. Um, but maybe they felt that was a little bit weird because he was using a woman sort of to... Like, he was using the image of a woman to... I don't know. That would have been interesting to go there as well. Because she was the one who first sort of revealed... Like, they're the one she catches. They figure out straight up, you know... She was involved yeah, with the when she's high in the car, yeah. Yeah. Um so they actually spent a lot of time on her, probably more than except for Kevin. Oh, and Demarcus. But she was the <laughs> she was they spent a lot of time with her. There was probably wasn't a, a chance to talk about that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I do you want to bring up just quickly as well while I'm thinking about it? Uh possibly one of the more uh devastating or sort of uh, sad moments, I thought, depressing moments for Kevin. Mm. was when we finally find out what was in the da- Dassey's bag or in the bag from the pharmacist. Yeah. Oh, that the was condoms. so... I love the shot. The Were they super dramatic. Yeah. And, <laughs> and just, I just love the amount of condoms yes. he bought. It's such a high school boy thing. He's like, yes. oh, well, I'm going to need 500 because <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely going to be having sex all night, um, which, yeah, that was... Yeah, that's quite sad. Poor guy. It was very sad. And I did like, actually, while we're talking about that shot, that was a great example of the influence of the jinx on this season Mm. in particular. So, while there was dramatic reenactment type stuff in the first season, it was so much more of it in this. Yeah. And the jinx was really famous for it. Super overdramatic, never see anybody's faces, but somehow (laughs) weirdly accurate um, actors they had for it. Mm. Reenactment. Silhouette, yeah. And even I actually even loved the the voice actors they had mm. who would read out the text. You had so just good. heard the yeah. person. And they just get a different voice actor to read the text messages. I loved all Didn't those little laugh, details. But also go, excellent work. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly how you would do it. Yeah. And obviously the other true crime documentary that this takes heavily from, from this season, well, there's two. There's Catfish, which is very much social mm-hmm. media based. And Grayson's whole thing was catfishing, yeah. which i got to say, that's becoming an, an aging stereotype. We don't really... Th- like catfishing is a vernacular thing now. We understand mm. what catfishing is, but cat the catfish sort of um, the the hype around that died off a long time ago. Yeah, it so did. to pull back to that was kind of cool. And mm. I mean, it's a one. very successful MTV show. That is true too. Mm. I actually watched the first couple of seasons of that TV show, and it was pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, super trashy, but super very trashy, good to watch. Yeah, as some true crime is. <laughs> And, of course, the other one was, again, making a murderer, but this time from the perspective of the coerced confessions. Yeah. Very Brendan Dassey. Oh, did I love, yeah, love, love, love the confession tapes that we had yeah. when he is trying to recreate how he shat in the piñata. Yes. <laughs> They're like, no. 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 How, how would you... How would you uh, Poop in the piñata. I loved it. Made me so happy to watch. So familiar if you've Mm -hmm. watched like Making a Murder. That's exactly what they freaking did. Speaking of which, have you watched any of season two yet? Uh, No, I didn't even realize it was out. Yeah, it's out. I got to get onto that too. And it will be very interesting to watch after watching two seasons of American Vandal as well. I think it'll be less funny than American Vandal. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. I hope so. Otherwise, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. You wanted to talk about um, Peter and Sam a bit as well. I did. No, I just wanted. I guess to get your thoughts, your opinions on whether you missed Sam and Peter having a central role in the narrative. Now, I personally didn't, I don't mm-hmm. think. I think there was so much to this story. The focus was really on the relationships between the kids in the school, mm-hmm. how isolated they felt and how social media made them vulnerable. I'm kind of glad they didn't. I don't need to see them, you know, having a falling out. You know, it's not really about their relationships and the su- with the subjects of the documentary. But what are your thoughts on it? No, you're right. I didn't miss it. Um, I like that there's a consistency where they are still the two people who yeah. are heavily involved. And they've still got their little bickering moments and stuff, which is fun to watch. Well, yeah. I actually kind of wondered whether that was... Some of what was going on, there's a few things that happened in this season that might be building more into what season three I might involve. I think so too, yeah. Did you that, notice that, that was well? my thoughts, yep. There was some really like... Especially Peter towards Sam. Yeah, when he we would need to shush him or we need to talk. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And well just with season three stuff, yeah. Right. On. Yeah. He mm. would shush him or he would like belittle him or he'd just say things and mm. Sam wouldn't really respond in too big a way, but you, you, that would annoy anybody who Mm-mm. was having sort of and even the way that the I think the um production company is called PM Productions. Mm. So that's Peter's initials. Yeah. Sam's not involved in that. So there's this sense of like Peter being the overriding personality, a sense of ownership, mm-hmm. even though they seem to be equal partners in what they're doing. Um, and also, specifically for me, oh, as well, yeah, well, in, in more general sense, Peter was the one who was kept trying to push this and push mm-hmm. this and push this and, and keep trying to create the narrative and not go to the police. Yeah. And even when they do finally go to the police, what does he do? Ugh. He texts fucking Grayson or he. Mm-hmm. At the turd burglar mm. and gives him the heads up because he it's wants to be fault. smarmy. That, and the that's the whole happens. reason the dump happened. Mm-hmm. And they almost lost all of the data because he then went and erased his laptop and mm-hmm. hard drives and stuff. Yeah. The FBI in the story were able to get it back. And so they had all the evidence they needed. But they essentially are the reason that the dump happened, exactly as you said. Mm-hmm. And like he's culpable for that. Absolutely. I think like it's a continuation of what we see in season one where Peter, for the purpose of the documentary or for the good of the documentary, he's willing to throw everybody under the bus. Mm. It's what he's doing is far more important than the feelings or lives of his subjects. Mm -hmm. And so this is just another escalation of that. Whereas before, you know, we had um, the popular girl in season one who was just like, fuck you. Like you didn't have to reveal any of that stuff about me. It wasn't relevant at all. Um, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. But we see here that he hasn't learned from that. He wants the drama. He wants to be involved in it. And because of that, you know, there's 
pornography of these people yeah. out there in the world forever, and that's awful. And we don't see him take accountability for that this season, Not which tells me that that's probably going to be one of the major conflicts in season three. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I feel like that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. I think we're heading into a third sort of vandal type thing, mm. maybe a copycat situation. I don't know, but there, I think if there's a third season, it's probably have to be the final one because mm-hmm. I don't, as much as I, they successfully were able to do it a second time, I don't think you can do it too many more no. before you have to start commenting on yourself, <laughs> which I think is what the third season will be, mm. which I think is where you have to just sort of go, okay, yeah, the, that's this it. is done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, between Peter and Sam's relationship and Peter specifically in his disregard for everybody else involved in the story mm. he's trying to tell. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Um, if I'm being honest, I'm kind of running out of things to say, and this will be the shortest podcast we've ever produced. Is there anything else you want to talk about this season? Just little things that mm-hmm. just made me really appreciate how great this creative team is. Mm-hmm. Things like using the glitch, the real thing that happened. Yeah, that was amazing, um, wasn't it's it? It's such a perfect real-world element that kind of anchors the show. Because like, I think it's in your reality then. Like, it's yeah, one thing to say absolutely. it's recognisable. Mm. Like, oh, that feels like a high school to mm-hmm. me. It feels real. Yeah. But, like, when that happened, I, uh, Steph hadn't heard of that. I was mm. like, yeah, that was a thing was that a thing. actually happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I loved little things like that. I mean, there's pl- this show is so quotable. Like, the mm-hmm. writing is incredibly sharp. Uh, there were so many times when a character would say something, I would burst out laughing and just have to repeat it to myself because it was so great. Like when um, – I've forgotten the name of the girl who they live with for a time. Um, Chloe? Yeah, let's go with Chloe. Chloe. Chloe sounds good. Let's go with it. Um, just when she's talking about the calling card that she sees in DeMarcus's um, yep. wallet and she's just like, I'll never forget those eyes, which is just perfect because, like, the chocolate swell obviously doesn't have them. And it's just, like, a staple of true crime or just, you know, crime in general. It's like, I'll never forget those eyes. It's just like, oh, gorgeous, gorgeous writing. Um, oh, I've already mentioned the Mrs. Montgomery one, which is fabulous. So good. Oh, it's just, like, the writing is so incredibly sharp. So, I, yeah, I think with season three, I have no qualms with what they're going to create. Season one was incredible. Season two, almost just as good. I think just slightly less than for reasons that we've already stated. Mainly just because it wasn't it a wasn't surprise. The first. Yeah, yeah, totally. And oh, when it was first revealed about Jenna Hawthorne and it confirmed to us that she was the turd burglar because we have the evidence yeah. from the crash, I was kind of like disappointed. I was like, oh, because it was so reminiscent of the criminal in the I first one. I thought the same thing. And I was like, that's lame, guys. I, Come on. I was ready to comment, actually. Mm. It was almost almost typing the note of like, why did this have to be another like white female? Like, couldn't we have come up with somebody yeah. else to be the, mm. the thing? The like uppity bitch or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the, like, oh, man. They were of a similar vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they did the old switcheroo, which they <laughs> loved doing this season, which I was fantastic and enjoyable as a viewer. And it's like, Oh, no, no, there's more. There's yeah. so much more. Yeah, it's great. But I think that's it for me for notes. I um, just were on the thinking of like favorite moments and quotes and stuff like mm. that. I did love the hyper-religious guy that was like oh. people trying to figure out if he did or not. Yeah. Um, and like his arguments he would have with... <laughs> um, Mrs. Montgomery. Mrs. Montgomery. And there's footage of them fighting at the bus or the pep rally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Very good. I also loved the like principal or um, vice chancellor. Oh, Mrs. We- Wexler. Wexler, yeah. Mm. She was a great villain, mm-hmm. like a great character. That we when barely saw anything from. She just but cut herself audio, off it. The audio of her like threatening Chloe. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's, that was good. Oh. That was real. She's like, are you threatening me? Oh, my God. That was great. She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment when Sam realizes that the uh, that there was a fourth crime and that the, um, the advent calendar was in the teacher's lounge and stuff mm. like that. I loved, speaking of reenactment stuff. Like when they're showing the three D models of the teachers vomiting, <laughs> um, hot janitor as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, there are so many great so little elements of Just, this show. There's another quote I have of like the religious guy when he's talking about the situation with the pinata. Yeah. And he's it's like, he's, he's, he's like, putting the thing down as well. <laughs> just like, he's at first like he's like, oh, at first I thought they were screaming for candy, and then I realized. No one screams like that for candy. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like you hear the echo of their screams as people run out. Oh, it's so much fun, this show. It's yeah. so good. It is incredible. <laughs> the um, There was a bit as well when they talk about the dump and people are like, I was like just running out and looking at the ceilings for cracks, just expecting someone to like <laughs> dump all over me. And oh, oh it's... Mm. But in that, that first episode where the, the crime is first revealed to us and we're yeah. seeing all this footage, like... I got the sweats, man. I was like, just like, I was like, oh, if I was in that situation, what the fuck would I do? Like, and the girl who like, we just see like, open, I think pretty sure it's a recreation. She opens up her backpack and just starts shitting in her backpack. I'm like, yeah, I think that's just what you'd have to do. Where would you shit? I think they explain, I think it says that all of that footage is a recreation because all those videos got deleted off social media yes, by yes, right. the mm. platforms that did it, mm-hmm. which is interesting to look at it and go, okay, this, that wasn't even really in the context of the show. That was <laughs> fake. And just the elaborateness mm. of everything you do. And like you were saying earlier, the way they explain how they had those amazing drone shots and yeah. like 3D stuff yeah, in the they, first when season. Yeah, they retconned it. They're like, we got to... Oh, and the people were saying that the original edit was better and yes. stuff. <laughs> All that's so good. That's the thing. Like, they think of everything, these people. They're just incredible. But, like, what I – one thing I always went back to and made me go – I really – as while I'm watching this, I really am using my brain the same way that I do with normal true crime. Totally. Is the horchata. Yeah. And I would always go back like, but the thing about the horchata just doesn't seem right to me. Like, I don't think you would replace him with a like replace it with a different drink i just don't think that's genuine it must be him like i just like it's just using those 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 tools that we've been taught over the years of watching true crime or there's just because it's not just the nature of it being a true crime parody and like it's just very satisfying all those little moments they add up like the moment when you realize that kevin is going mm. to be one of these guys. Because it was before they revealed that the last guy yeah. hadn't done it. I, I was like, it was him, yeah. I was like, oh no, Kevin will have done it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he wasn't blackmailed. Mm-hmm. And he just did it because he wanted to do it. Yeah. Like, and that he- wanted he, to impress a girl too, yeah. And, and I think it's very satisfying this season as well that all the people that you really suspected of doing it actually did do it too. Mm-hmm. Like all of them had good reasons. All the evidence was there. All the so evidence was there. Yeah, like- DeMarcus did have the card in his wallet. Like, yep. Chloe wasn't lying about that. Yeah. Because that's what all the things you got to start going like, 
yeah, do those excuses make sense or do those inconsistencies? No, all of them were correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, such a satisfying. So, so good. And I think it's like, it's just satisfying to watch because, you know, I watch a lot of teen dramas and like melodramas mm-hmm. and stuff. And so often when it's about solving a mystery, yeah, there are all these like red herrings around that are for nothing. But mm-hmm. you go back and you rewatch and you're like, well, that's just, re- that's absurd. Like someone, I'm, you know, talking about like Pretty Little Liars, like, Oftentimes things would be revealed to be like, oh my God, that person's definitely A. Yeah. And then later revealed that they're not actually A. And I was like, well, you're just like purposely being deceitful obtuse. or just, obtuse. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, well, that's just, you just kind of, it feels like retconning. You know well, what the I problem mean? is it feels like you're being cheated. Yeah, like, totally. It's can... like I'm using my brain and it's like, it's impossible for me to win. Yeah, exactly. Or to figure it out. Well, that was always my problem with... Um, just to get off, again, I'll talk for a little bit. But one of the problems I had with the Sherlock Holmes movie that Robert Downey Jr. was in, right, mm. is I always liked in the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, for instance, I felt like there was enough there that you could start to put together. Maybe mm-hmm. not exactly like he did. Yeah. That got less and less true as the right. series went on. But And then that one with Robert so Downey Jr. So you're not a crime-solving genius. I'm not, oh, no. Okay. But in that movie, he gets to the end and he explains like how this was all happened. Right. And you go... Yeah, but you didn't give me those clues, so I couldn't figure it out. So that's not so satisfying. Totally. It's mm-hmm. like if you have just yeah, if you have not mm-hmm. given me the same information that you had, well mm-hmm. That's why I think this this particular season of American Vandal is gonna be really fun on the rewatch. Mm. Just being like, Oh, I see it now, I see it now. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. There are some things this actually season does better than the first season, now mm. I think about yeah. it. Yeah. Like yeah, it's missing some of the newness magic, but it's very good ultimately. Mm. Actually, it's probably more rewatchable than the first one, if I think about it, too. Yeah, interesting. One more quote that I really loved as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this tickled me so much, but it did. Uh, if you want to get with Dema- DeMarcus, you got to get with his friends. It's some real Spice Girl shit, yeah. man. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. But also made me go, I don't think someone his age would know that. That guy, I think, well, he was only a couple of years older. Yeah, maybe not. Because he was one of the guys that already graduated. He was the basketball. The, the oh, guy. yeah, true. But he wasn't No, he's not our older. age. Good point. Yeah. I like to think I'm that age. It's not true though. <laughs> All right, it's let's creepy. move into let's move into final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Least favorite and favorite episodes. Damascus, what was your least favorite episode? This was really hard because I kind of loved them all. So this is kind of just I've just you can do what, you ones. can do what I did last season. Just say none. I did do that myself. I owe you one. Um, no, it's okay. I'll say one, but like, it's okay. like, so, like minute bullshit. Sure. Um, I'll go with episode six all backed up. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, I don't think there's a bad episode in the bunch, um, but I'm going to go with this one because it focuses on Lou and he was just a character that I probably find the least interesting, I think, mm-hmm. probably because I had seen that character before maybe, and mm-hmm. we didn't quite go as in depth as I like with this show. Um, and also it's episode six and I think I had like marathon through maybe four at that point and I was waning a little bit. So not real reasons. I'll be honest with you. I love that. That's yeah. great. What about you? Um, I think I, I, uh, I didn't mind Lou as a character. I actually just for the longest time thought it was him. And so when mm. it, we're, we're talking about him, I was like, yeah, we got him. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say episode one, the brownout is my least favorite episode mm. only because it doesn't really do anything wrong. Only because at the time I was like, hmm, don't know if this is going to be able to do what season one did. Yeah. That's not, which isn't much to say, but it's like, 
The you had concerns. I had concerns, mm-hmm. especially with Kevin. I was like, this guy's nowhere near as likable if we're going to focus on him all season. Mm. I mean, it was just me. It was just premature <laughs> reactions. Ejaculation. Oh. Sure. Re- reactions <laughs> to it. And that, th- I, I agree with you. There's not a bad episode in the bunch. And yeah. I really actually want to rewatch the season now that we've talked it through. Favorite episode? Um, look, I loved all of them. Um, <laughs> but I am. I guess I'm just going to choose uh, episode two, titled number two. Um, just I the think, title alone. Yeah, just the... F- I found myself laughing pretty much all the way through it. The forced confessions are incredible. Yeah. The talking heads with his grandma, I think, just always oh, tickled me. I thought so she was fabulous. Funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was just having flashbacks of her. She's great. Um, yeah, just him trying to demonstrate how to shit in the pinata will forever be with me, I think. It will <laughs> always make me laugh. Um, yeah, but like I said, I loved all the episodes. What about you? I'm going to say episode eight, The Dump, is my favourite. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an extremely satisfying conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, the explanation of how it all went down, just thematically how they tied it all up, I thought it did a better job. We ended up... I, well, sorry, you ended up with the last episode of last season being your least favourite, I think because you thought it took some yes. narrative shortcuts yep. and it was trying to do things that it hadn't earned or mm-hmm. it wasn't consistent with it. This one, to me, would had built up to this in a way mm. I hadn't realised and really thematically was much better realised into its ending and just, yeah, completed and surmised itself so well. I really, really loved it. thought it was very compelling. Um, I want to give a shout to episode seven, though, mm. when, I don't know, there was something about the way that conspiracy was unfolding at that point. Yeah. I was just on the edge of it my seat. It was exciting. It yeah. was actually exciting. I was like, I should have left for work at that point and I was like, no, I've got to I've got to see this through. This is amazing. You mm-hmm. know, I I was hooked. Predictions, hopes or concerns We've if, already spoke about season three. If there's a season three. Yeah. Oh, there better be. I assume there will be. Yeah. Um, I mean, it won a Peabody Award. It's very every chance this season will get positive. I mean, it has I got love that it won a Peabody Award. It's so good, right? I think right? that's amazing, yeah. Um, yeah, all the things we said. Mm. Peter and Sam, especially probably having a rift. Mm. Peter... We have to be talking about his actions. His actions. Last two seasons, absolutely. Have to be mm-hmm. there. And I imagine he'll do something similar in season three. Mm-hmm. See, I can imagine a scenario where it's going along as normal and then he just pushes it too far mm-hmm. and like something really bad happens. Mm-hmm. Like someone is hurt or injured or like he gets in the way of an investigation, compromises an investigation yeah. somehow. Um, I could really see that. Mm-hmm. And that could be very, very interesting as well. I think that's it. This is by far the shortest episode of Honey <laughs> Seasons ever. So, uh, yay or sorry. I'm not really sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. In the meantime, though, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. You can find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. On Twitter, I have been... I talked a little bit about um, the latest episode of The Good Place. Particularly, it was notable that one of the things I mentioned was that if you're an Australian, watching The Good Place this season is kind of its own special game. Yeah, it is. Where you're trying to concentrate on the show as your brain is constantly also trying to just decipher whether something is authentically Australian or not because Mm. it's so... Overly like ochre and all sorts of things. And I just keep having a thought. I'm like, oh, all these Aussie actors in 
LA. Yeah. I'm just getting so much work, which makes me happy. One of them is someone I know, actually. A oh, character really? in it, the one that was talking to Chidi in his um, lecture at the end of the last oh, episode. Yeah. I was like, I know you. Like, <laughs> I think I've worked with you before. I was like, yeah, yeah, Australian actors. Yeah, well, uh, now you're just going to make all our international listeners think that Australia has like five people in it, so, which is true and all well have you seen the character names they've given to the Australian like no, featured roles they're all like weird like twisted versions of like Gel Mibson and Miley <laughs> Canogue and stuff like this um, that's great well and- Michael Schur loves playing with names that's one of his favorite that's why everyone in Parks and Rec has a ridiculous name does he love Tennis for some reason because three of the names they use are Australian tennis players for some I, reason. I don't know that really aspect odd. of his life. I'll anyway, ask him. that uh, yeah, please do get a, get a clear answer. I want I want an answer I from Mike answers. Mike Shaw before the next episode of Monday Seasons, please. Got it. Uh, Damask, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymo M A S K Y M Double O. Today, not today. This week's shit. This week it's. We're coming to the We're end. Falling apart. Yeah, we are. Um, I was tweeting about Scott Morrison's website. Yeah, which... what happened there? I missed that. <laughs> so their domain name, this is our Prime Minister, the domain name for his website, scottmorrison.com, yeah. I believe it's .au, but I can't remember, um, expired. and While he was using it. So he had been, had been yeah, using it. Yeah, that was his website. Um, a guy that works in domains saw this was happening and he was like, well, well, well. And our um, Prime Minister is a conservative douchebag um, committing, you know, crimes against humanity. Um, so I don't Not have, an understatement, by the don't, way. No, it's literally not. Uh, I don't have any sympathy for him whatsoever. Nope. So this guy bought the domain name and then just changed the website to have a picture of Scott Morrison and the song, the very beautiful, famous song from Eurotrip, Scotty Doesn't Know, Playing continuously over it. That's all it is. That's all it is. (laughs) 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 Which was just, it was just nice to laugh. It was nice to laugh. But we have had some good um, political news in Australia. One, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but Queensland has legalised abortion, which is fabulous. And the Liberals lost their heartland of... Fuck, I was going to say Wentworth. No, that's Wentworth right. Is right. Yeah, because I was like, no, that's the prison show. <laughs> yeah, no, of Wentworth, which is great news that um, they're because we call them liberals, but they're actually conservatives. Um, they're kind of yeah losing their footing a bit, which is fabulous. Not just it was. Oh man, I don't know. Do we want to get deep into uh, Australian politics for a second? So that why was, not? We've got an hour to fill. <laughs> <laughs> that was our ex, very recently ex prime minister's seat. Yeah, he was kicked out of. Prime Ministership mm-hmm. in a uh, lib spill, and mm-hmm. they he's retired. He's like, I quit. Have to go to a by election. By election, libs don't get back in. They lose their majority. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm Turnbull, the guy, the ex Prime Minister's son, was pretty heavily involved in making sure the libs didn't get. Yeah. Oh man, it's just it was beautiful. It was just like it's like this is this is. We can do I this. I really savoured it. I did um, too. Hashtag. I, I didn't need to eat for days. <laughs> Wentworth votes. <laughs> it was wonderful mm. to see it happen. And I think there were rumours that Julie Bishop might be making a run for another lib spell. And that oh, we're going to. I hope so. It's going to be an early election. <laughs> like, an election's going to be called, like, honestly, it could be any day. It's happening. Which is good. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Get the liberals out. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss something a little bit different. Mm, We're going to have a 
a special episode, a crossover episode Ooh. with our friend, a podcast that we're friends with, the Dialogue Options podcast, a video game podcast. <gasps> you may remember Kyron Morrison, who was on our episode of uh, Hunting Seasons about uh, Picnic and Hanging Rock. Wasn't the there, year. don't care. Yeah, you weren't there, so he filled in <laughs> as as a uh, guest host mm. that episode. He brought that female perspective. <laughs> <laughs> don't about don't a story about women. <laughs> don't make me regret this. Um, I I I still I still feel bad about that because I didn't. That wasn't the idea. You were meant to be on. You couldn't make it. So we're just left with two white men to talk about a story, and we said it profusely. Like we understood. <laughs> Broads, all of Broads' white man guilt has flushed to his face. It really it's has. Very funny. They were really like this. Why are we even making this? But we need to put an episode out anyway. Uh, we're going to be talking with Joel and Kyron uh, about the episodic video game Life is Strange. Mm. Um, so this has been out for a while. If you're a gamer or someone um, interested in like point and click adventure type games or long like uh, episodic and choose your own adventure type story games, I would highly recommend checking out Life is Strange. You can do so on pretty much everything, including on phones. Or if you're just a person that doesn't really get into video games because you think they're too hard and complicated, this is a great entry point because yeah. I am one of those people. I like video games, but I'm not good at them. So a game like this is sweet. Yeah, this is not a shooty, like got to have amazing reflexes sort of game. Mm-hmm. This is all about just investigating and then um, having conversations and making choices based on that. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of suited us from the perspective. It came out in episodes like a television show and could very easily have been like a teen drama television show. And um, so we want to do this as a bit of a crossover because it sort of fits into both of our special subjects. So that's coming next week. Looking forward to that in a big way. And then after that, we'll get back to our normal programming. Um, the week after, we'll be talking about se- season one of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I am actually I'm so pumped. weirdly looking forward to. Yeah. I don't like Riverdale and I am looking forward to this because mm. apparently it's pretty good. Yeah. We'll um, see if the hype is real. Well, the hype is real. Let's see if it's valid. Okay. Let's see if the hype (laughs) is valid. Correct. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. And is there anything else you want to talk about? That's it for me. There wasn't a a news story you just read that you want to talk about? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't pre-planned this at all. What are you talking about? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not want to talk about that. <laughs> no, bro, don't bring it up. Um, do you want me to pretend? Yes, please, yeah. please. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yes, actually, broad. Um, yes, there now was... Now that you mention it. <laughs> oh, my, you've reminded me. You can put that at the end, yeah, actually. Yeah, I'll Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.